Hey, my name is Matt Poole, and this is Unapologetically Catholic, the podcast where we dive into the different doctrines, dogmas, and beliefs of the Catholic faith to help explain why I personally am unapologetically Catholic and why I think that you should be too. And in this week's episode, we are going to talk about free will. So this is something that is growing up as a Calvinist Reformed Protestant, I did not believe that we had free will. Well, I guess we we would do a play on words to say that people had free will. I'll talk more about that in the main part of the episode, but uh, this is something that we'll look into in this week. What does the Catholic Church say about free will? Do we have free will? Um, and we're going to use arguments from scripture, the catechism, and just logical arguments as well to kind of make the case. So uh, if you are a new listener, thank you for joining. I'm glad you're here. And if this is not your first time here, welcome back. If you have not already, if you could subscribe or follow this podcast in whatever kind of platform you're listening to it, and also leave a rating and review. That helps this show get out to more people who are like-minded and, you know, should be hearing this kind of thing. So that's what we're talking about this week. If you've already done those things, uh, as far as like subscribing and commenting and reviewing, thank you. I appreciate it. That's very helpful. Uh, <laughs> but anyways, with that, let's get into it. All right. So like I said, this week's episode is going to be on free will, but I do want to add a caveat that free will is a uh, massive subject. <laughs> so I don't plan to, in this episode, cover all of the different aspects of free will in all the different areas that it applies. Mostly in this episode, what I want to talk about is free will as it pertains to mostly our salvation. Because this is something growing up as a Calvinist, I would have said that there, you know, we had no free will. There is no free will. Or, um, well, I guess a good place to start would be here. Uh, so kind of, I'll walk through what the Calvinist view of um, free will is, at least in my understanding. I don't ever, I've said this before in other episodes, and I just like to reiterate every so often, that I don't ever want to try to straw man uh, the Calvinist view or the Protestant view um, or anyone's view, because it doesn't do any good for anyone, right? Like, if we're all here pursuing truth, and if that's the goal of everyone, um, then there's no need to misrepresent the opposite side, because let's just lay out the evidence and let the truth shine through. Uh, and then let's follow that. And that's what I've, that's how I ended up Catholic. So that's what I try to continue to do anyways. So the Calvinist view of free will is more of it's okay. Adam and Eve had complete free will, right? So we, they could choose between good and evil. They could choose to continue to obey God freely of their own volition could choose to obey God, they could choose not to sin, uh, they could choose to live the rest of their time, or the rest of their eternity, with God in the garden in the way that he asked them to. But we know that they did not, right? So we know that they freely chose to disobey God and to eat of the fruit, um, and Therefore, now all human free will has been bound. Uh, so if you are familiar with the Calvinists, there's a phrase TULIP, uh, or an acronym, 
I think that's the right word for it. I may be wrong, but anyways, it's tulip. So it's total depravity is the first one that we'll look at. That that applies most to what we're talking about here. So that you are totally depraved. So every single human being that comes after Adam and Eve is the worst, the most wretched, the most vile, awful thing ever. That is who you are, right? Um, because of the sin of Adam and Eve, now everyone has total depravity. You can't get any worse than a human being, is what the Calvinist would say. And so therefore, the free will, you do not have free will. So the in the intro, I said that, you know, well, we kind of believe, the Calvinists kind of believe in free will, but we use a play on words to say it. So basically what I used to say and, and what I was taught is I would, if someone were to, you know, press me on free will as a Calvinist, I would say, yeah, you have free will. You're free to choose any sin that you want to choose. Um, so <laughs> we, the Calvinist view is more that it is impossible for you to choose anything good at all unless the grace of God comes into your life and changes you and then gives you, well, even then, well, yes, even then it's really not free will because it's God working through you. So the, the, the and this kind of leads into more of the problem of free will in the Calvinist view is that there's, even after your initial salvation they would say that you've become a new creation but now your will has switched from being bound completely to the evil now to being bound completely to the good right so so that you are not choosing you're not choosing god even after your salvation um and maybe you've already kind of thought about it a little bit and said, well, hang on, there seems to be a, <laughs> there seems to be an issue with that idea. And you would be correct. The, the big problem is, is that if you do not have free will, if you are not free to choose, then any evil that you commit, any sin that you commit is not your fault. You did not commit the sin. And if God is the author of all things, then God, God made you commit that sin, uh, is, how that would that it would that would logically follow from the idea that you do not have free will um we as catholics obviously we don't agree with that and you know i always thought it was a little bit strange because if you were to ask me as a calvinist reformed baptist or as a reformed presbyterian if you were to say hey matthew i want to get saved what do i need to do to be saved i would say you need to repent and believe and trust in the Lord, and you will be saved. And so, I as I started thinking through that a little bit more, I would think, okay, well, hang on a second. I if I have to repent and believe, is that not a choice that I am making? And in the Calvinist view, I, I may have already said this. I've had to re-record this part like three times now. So if I repeat myself, I apologize. But I just want to make sure I've <laughs> got it out there. So in the Calvinist view. Uh, they're, they're, they would say that you do absolutely nothing to be saved. There is zero part of it that comes from you. All of it is 100% by God, and you're just kind of like a, um, like a pawn getting moved around, right? So as I started to think through this a little bit more, I thought, okay, well, if I 
am choosing to do something, if I am choosing to repent and believe, then there is some kind of act that I am doing to, in some sort of a way, save myself or to, there, there's something that God requires of me so that I can be saved. And then I could never reconcile, okay, well, if, and, and even if it's true that the only thing you ever have to do is repent and believe, and that comes from a prompting from the Holy Spirit, and it's because God pours his grace in, into your heart, you still are making a choice because you still have the option to say no, unless, which some people I, I have known and have heard before would say you have no choice. So if God pours his grace into you, it is impossible for you to not be saved because it it's, it's kind of like... Um, I don't know, if I hit a glass window with a baseball bat, it will break because it's impossible for that glass window to not break if I hit it with a baseball bat. Maybe that was a bad example, but I hope that makes sense. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I thought, okay, well, then I, there must be some sort of free will because I'm making some kind of a choice there there is something that i there is a response that i'm having to give and this is true in the catholic view is you know it, it we wouldn't say it's it's the same as salvation at least in the beginning of salvation or conversion right so conversion is not the same sense as like you know i'm hitting a piece of i'm hitting a glass mason jar with a baseball bat it's going to break 100% of the time. It is impossible for that mason jar not to break if I hit it with a baseball bat. What the Catholic Church would say, at least, is more in this sense. And this is continued out through, because in the Catholic view, we believe that you are continually going through a process of conversion until you are made completely 100% free when you are when you when you have the beatific vision, when you're in heaven in complete union with God. So the way that we would describe it throughout the process of salvation is like a, okay, I have small young kids. So if I put a bowl of ice cream down on the dining room table and put a spoon there and then tell my six-year-old, hey, Livia, there's ice cream on the table. You can get it if you want. 99% of the time, she's going to go get it, but it's not impossible for her to not go get it. No, like I said, 99% of the time, she's going to go in there and get it. It would be crazy for her to not go get it, and if she didn't go get the ice cream, I would probably start asking if she's feeling okay, because she's probably sick, uh, because she's six years old, and it's ice cream. I would probably make the same choice. I, like, <laughs> if I don't go for the bowl of ice cream, you should probably be concerned that something's wrong with me. Um, so it, it's that is how it is uh, in the Catholic view is that God makes, uh, well, I was going to say sweeten the deals, sweetens up the deal just enough so that it, you, it would be crazy for you to say no. Um, but we do, we do in the Catholic view believe in free will. So before I get any farther into giving more analogies that may or may not be helpful, uh, let me read a couple of places here. There's, um, there's a place from the Council of Trent that I want to read, and then a, a paragraph from the Catechism of the Catholic Church that I want to read. So the first one here is um, the Catechism of the Council of Trent, Article One. 
says, not only does God protect and govern all things by his providence, but he also, by an internal power, impels to motion and action whatever moves and acts. And this is such a, and this in such a manner that although he excludes not, he yet precedes the agency of secondary causes. So any kind of choice that I make any kind of decision that I make in the, the this is and this is in the Catholic view. So, if I choose to do something good, that is only because God has prompted me to do so, and because the Holy Spirit has been given to me, and because God has given me His grace. If I was left to my own devices, I would not be able to choose God. So, you know, let let me let me step back a little bit because I gave the Calvinist view. So. Let me start from a better place for the Catholic view. So we would say that, yes, in um, Adam and Eve, before they fell, they had completely free will, right? So they, because they were only making perfect choices, they were only making good choices, they had completely free will. Um, And then they chose to sin, and then we would say that after they sinned, we would not agree with, remember how I was saying that the Calvinists have the T in the TULIP acronym, and T stands for total depravity. So we would not say that human beings are as awful and terrible and just as wretched as you can possibly think, but that the human human nature, or in this instance, human will was severely dimmed because God created all of us. God made man in his likeness. Yes, Adam and Eve sinned, but we are still created good. Like when God created man, he said, it is good, right? Um, So we are still a good creation, but there is a serious, serious problem with us. um, And we have a very, we have a very big problem. There's something very wrong with us. <laughs> I will say it twice just because I can't think of another way to say it, I guess. Anyways, so we still would agree with the Calvinist in a sense that we cannot choose God. So like if I, let's say I had never been baptized as a Catholic, right? I'm just a regular old guy going along, never baptized, never had any sort of conversion ever. Unless the unless God gave me grace and poured the Holy Spirit into my heart, I would not be able to choose him, right? And so even though I'm not totally depraved and I'm, you know, my will can only sin because, you know, you even if you're not, a Christian, you can do good things. Now, those good things are not meritorious. Everyone knows that there's right and wrong, whether they're Christian or not, right? Like, you know, you you can say, oh, I, I think every human being could probably say murdering an innocent child is wrong. That's bad. That's evil. So, you know, you can, and human beings have the ability to choose that. So, uh, Think of it kind of like a light. There's a light that is our free will. With Adam and Eve, it was extremely bright, pure white. Kit uh, couldn't get any brighter until they sinned, and now it's severely dimmed uh, to where it's barely there. 
but it is not enough for you to get to heaven, one, and two, it's not enough for you to choose God. Like, you cannot just go choose God on your own because you, I don't know, you because your will is not completely depraved. You, you get what I'm, the point I'm trying to make? I'm just trying to say that it, it is not one extreme or the other, that, you know, either you are completely, your will is completely shot, you cannot, you're the worst type of human being ever, and it the other extreme is not true, then that, oh, even if there's an ounce of hope, then you can go and choose God. That That is not the only answer. And the Catholic Church has the middle ground answer of it is severely dimmed, but you can still choose the good. So, if that is true, then... I'm sorry, I'm going round and round. (laughs) And I apologize. But if you've been here for a while, you know that sometimes I have a tendency to do this, so I appreciate you sticking around. Um, Let's see, where was I? Adam and Eve fall... And then our wills are, are dimmed, right? So then when we are baptized, the Holy Spirit is poured into our lives. Uh, we have been given God's grace. We are a part of the covenant now. So now we can continue our lives and we can choose between the good or the bad, right? And salvation is a process. So the more we choose the good, the more like Christ we become, the more free we become. Because the goal is that when we are in heaven with God, we have the beatific vision, then we will be completely free. So then, you know, some might say, okay, well, hang on a second. So if you can't sin in heaven, then you have no free will in heaven. But that's not true. Because what is true is that your will is completely perfected. So, you know, the, your whole Christian walk until the time you are, have made it to heaven, you're becoming more and more free. The more that you choose the good, the more like Christ you become. And then when you get to heaven, then your will will be will have been made completely free. Um, so that's the difference. Hope that made sense. Uh, so another good way to think about this is you know in the bible in second corinthians five seventeen, where it says therefore if anyone is in christ he is a new creation the old has passed away behold think behold the new has come um and then you think about the different passages where paul is calling these churches back to repentance and they're tell and he's telling them leave your old ways leave the sins that you were once committed behind don't go back to these things. And then we've got Ephesians 2, 8 through 10. It says, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So we have now, because we have, by God's grace, through faith, have now been made a new creation, now we can choose to do these good works, right? And these good works are meritorious. And I've talked about this in other episodes before about good works being meritorious and one of those meritorious things being eternal life. Um, and there's evidence through throughout scripture for that. Uh, and I won't get into that in this episode because I've done it once before. Uh, so <laughs> uh, anyways, 
yeah, so we we now because we have been saved or because we have been baptized, we've we've been given God's grace, we've been given the Holy Spirit, God does not force us to do things that we don't want to do. And why not? Well, because then that's not love. If if you know, my wife and I, if I forced her to give give me gifts and I forced her to do selfless acts and I forced her to you know help help me and help raise our children and and help the ha- make the house look nice if I forced her hand to do these things that would not be love at all and it's the same with God and our salvation God wants us to choose him and once he saves us he gives us the ability to freely choose him again now not that you know I don't want anyone to think, well, oh, yeah, well, you're not perfect. And I would say, yeah, you're right. I'm not perfect. And no one is perfect this side of heaven. And you, just because you have the ability to to choose the good does not mean that you will always choose the good because we still have free will, right? Because if there, if it is impossible to have, if it's impossible to have the possibility to choose evil, then you can't choose the good either, and there's no love there. That sounded really confusing, but I hope that that made sense as well. <laughs> uh, yeah, so, and then, you know, another question that sometimes will come up when you're talking about free will is the fact of predestination. You know, some people may say, okay, well, God predestined, like, we clearly see in the scripture that people are predestined for heaven or or you know, so how do you justify that with having free will? If if God has predestined people for eternal life, then how can you in the same vein say that they are choosing to do good and they're choosing to do good that is at a certain time meritorious? And I would say, yes, that that is true because it's in the Bible. And I don't think the two contradict themselves. I don't think that you cannot have one without the other. Um, and the way that the two can, I, I guess the best way to say it would be to, for the two to marry up is that God, because he is outside of time, every moment in time, just like right now I'm sitting in my office and I'm looking at my black water bottle, right? So at this very moment in time, I have this perfect knowledge that this black water bottle is sitting right here because I am in time, the bottle in front of me is in time, so I can tell you that with certainty that this bottle is here, right? Now for God, because he is outside of time, just like I can look at things in time and be certain about those things in time, God looks at all of time and can be certain about all of time. So the view that I hold more to, and the Catholic Church kind of gives some leeway there there is not a view on predestination in the catholic church but the view that i at least for now tend to lean more towards is that god looks throughout time and he knows exactly who will choose him if he gives them his grace and he knows who will not choose him the no matter the amount of grace that he gives so god predestines those who he knows in the end will choose him and just because god predestines someone who he knows will choose him finally in the end 
<clears throat> does not mean that he forces your hand all along the way, right? Um, because you still are able to choose. You are still the free agent of choice there. God is not forcing you to choose, but he knows what you're going to do, and he gives you the grace to do it. So it's it's uh, it's a foolproof plan. Um, <laughs> the, predest- the predestined will make it, right? Um, there's the Bible verse. Oh, man, where is it? I just saw it here. Uh, what is that? The verse that says, um, you know, those whom God foreknow, he predestined, and you know, on and on down the line. It, that That's how we as Catholics can believe in that Bible verse. And now that I said that there's some leeway in the Catholic Church, there's a couple things that the, the church is uh, more strict on when it comes to predestinate, predestination. Uh, and there's a couple of places in the catechism I'll read here. The first one is uh, paragraph 1037. It says, God predestines no one to go to hell, For this, a willful turning away from God, mortal sin, is necessary and persistent in it until the end. So God does not predestine anyone to hell. In the Calvinist view, you do have that certain people are born. And, you know, I've asked pastors and teachers and all kinds of different people, okay, well, does God predestine people for hell? This was back when I was Calvinist Protestant. You know, I would say, okay, well, in our view then, does that mean that God predestines people for hell? And I was told, yes. And the Catholic Church is saying, no, no, that's not right. God does not predestine anyone for hell because he loves all human beings and desires for all human beings to be in full union with him one day. And all, those who don't make it to heaven is solely by their choice. Um, I hope I said that right. Let me make sure I said that right. Uh, those who do not make it to heaven go to hell solely by their choice. 100% by their choice. By no doing of God does anyone go to hell. I just want to make sure I clarify that. <laughs> and then the second paragraph of the catechism is paragraph 600. And it says, To God, all moments of time are present in their immediacy. When, therefore, he establishes his eternal plan of predestination, he includes in it each person's free response to his grace. In this city, in fact, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, with the Gentiles and the peoples of Israel, gathered together against your holy servant, Jesus, whom you anointed to do whatever your hand and your plan had predestined to take place. For the sake of accomplishing his plan of salvation, God permitted the acts that flowed from their blindness. So, you know, there's this, in the TULIP acronym, the U stands for unconditional election, uh, and that we would reject that as Catholics. We would reject that as well. Um, so this, I hope that this episode has been kind of helpful. Like I said, this has been a very base level. I didn't really want to get too terribly into the weeds. Just kind of, you know, wanted to talk about it a little bit because it. this is a big debate. And like I said, this is a huge subject and I do not claim to be 
a subject matter expert in free will, but I've studied it for quite a while. And so, you know, I kind of have come to an understanding and have come to, to more of a polished polished position, I guess, on, on free will. And even within the Catholic Church, like I had said before, there are some aspects of free will that the Catholic Church kind of lets you look at the evidence and make a choice on. Like, there's other things that are like that. Like, what's the age of the earth? Well, the Catholic Church doesn't say what the age of the earth is. Or, um, like Mary, there is the truth that Mary is bodily in heaven now, but is it that she died first or that she didn't die first? The Catholic Church doesn't really say. Um, so same thing with, you know, free will, and especially the predestination part. There's uh, the truth that people are predestined, and there's a couple of guardrails are, that are set up, but there is no, you know, this is the exact belief on predestination, and this is the exact uh, way of free will. So there's, if you want to look into it more and look at, you know, the kind of, I guess the, not really opposing, but the differing views of free will and Catholicism, the two main types that I know of, and there may be more out there, but the two main ones that I know of is like a Thomistic, Thomistic, um, view of free will or a Molinist view of free will. I am more of a, um, Thomist, I don't know if I'm saying that right. <laughs> so some of my Thomistic friends may be screaming at their listening devices right now because I'm butchering the name, but I hope I'm not. And if I am, I apologize. Anyways, <laughs> that's this week's episode. Well, thank you for joining in on this week's episode, and I hope that was maybe helpful for you, and maybe it probably just brought up a whole lot more questions in your mind, which if you're like me, for the longest time it did, so that probably is what's going on with you too. And if that is, that's okay. Uh, <laughs> dig for more of the answers, is what I would say. And if you'd like to reach out to me and ask me those questions, or get me to do a new episode on one of the questions that this episode or any of my podcasts have brought up, in your mind, I'd be happy to do so. The best way to get in touch with me is either email uh, at unapologeticallycatholicpod at gmail.com, or you can reach out to me on Instagram at unapologeticallycatholicpod there as well. And I'd be happy to engage with you or do a completely new episode on a topic that you're interested in. But anyways, may God bless you and I will continue to pray for you. <laughs>